space. The final frontier. Isn't the deep ocean the final frontier? No, space. I mean, okay, the ocean too, but space. there There are scary things in that ocean. There are. Have you ever seen fish with the light on their head? We don't know what's in space. There could be fish with lights on their head in there, too. (laughs) Alien fish men with lights on their... (laughs) I I think we figured out Ruby Dixon's next serial. Ruby, oh, there's a segue for you because ladies, gents, non-binaries, theys, it's time to talk to Ruby. (laughs) Let's dive right in. Hey there, romance nerds. Welcome back to another episode of Raging Romantics. I'm Jen. I'm Jackie. And this podcast is brought to you by Northern Onondaga Public Library. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about all things related to Romance Landia. With that being said, please be aware that sometimes our material may be a little too sensitive for younger listeners. If you need to wait until they go to bed, we'll still be here for you. So without further ado, are you ready, Jen? Oh, I'm ready, Jackie. All right. Let's rage! Hey, Jackie. Yes. Why was the alien not very popular among his friends? Why? Because he was not down to earth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I wonder what aliens call earth. Stupid. (laughs) They're probably very happy they don't live here. Or do they? (laughs) Time travelers are among us. As are others. (laughs) Sorry. Anyways, I think we're ready. Oh, I've been ready. We're more than ready for this episode because, mm-hmm. dear listeners, we got to interview the one, the only, Ruby Dixon. <laughs> Angels were singing mm-hmm. from somewhere. I was screaming from my computer mm-hmm. in excitement. It's beautiful. I sat down and we did not get to talk to her face to face. Ruby is a very busy person. Mm-hmm. She writes a book a month. She is amazing. And so we emailed and we mm-hmm. did a nice little email interview. So you get to hear Jen play the part of Ruby Dixon today. And I do want to mention really, really quick. I thought I had really good questions for Ruby Dixon, but then I saw Jackie's and I was like, oh, no, these are awesome. I don't need to do anything. <laughs> well, uh, so this is all from Jackie's mind. <laughs> Just so you guys know. I So, you know, good on Jackie, too. I will say shout out to my friend Iris who did want to know about her writing process. And I was like, yeah, dude, Mm -hmm. me too. Because Ruby writes a book a month. Yeah. For the most part. Isn't it really like one and a half with the Yeah, because she has a continual serial to continuing serial. Mm -hmm. Um, So for those of you who don't know who Ruby Dixon is, (laughs) can you call yourself a romance nerd? Mm -hmm. Ruby Dixon is the author of science fiction romance. Mm-hmm. She likes Faded Mates, baby-filled epilogues, and cinnamon roll heroes. If you do not know what a cinnamon roll is, they're delicious, first off. <laughs> a cinnamon roll hero is um, a big, gooey cuddle bug who is just chef's kiss. Um, Ruby also likes to write biographies of herself in the third person because it makes her feel more important that way. And so she writes all of her own biographies. <laughs> it's great. Point. She also loves coffee and dirty books and will probably be a crazy cat lady at some point, according to herself. She has published, I think the account is up in the 90s by this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and she writes, she, she started with Ice Planet Barbarians in 2015. And from that series, she did spinoffs into other interconnected yeah they're all connected they're all connected for the most part um so she has her i almost said dinosaurs i am so sorry fire blood dragons mm-hmm. <laughs> all the dinosaurs yeah that'd be cool there was a very brief flash of dinosaur porn in the early 2000s i think there we was. need to go back to it i think so too chris tingle yeah let's do it um but no so she writes fire blood dragons is one of her spinoff series which is a post-apocalyptic earth where mm-hmm. we have dragon aliens pretty much have come down through a rift in time space and then we also have Reseverse, which is a spinoff pretty much from Ice Planet Barbarians. We have a lot of the same aliens appearing, but they're on um, a different planet. They're different planets. We have the Corsairs series, mm-hmm. which is, if you're a Firefly nerd like myself, that's the series for you. Go read it. You will love it. We also have the Corsair Brothers, which is a spinoff of the Corsairs. Mm-hmm. But again, it's tied back to Ice Planet and Reseverse because they're dropping people spoiler alert there for you um and then furthermore we now have ice home which is a spinoff of ice planet on the same one but it just introduces more aliens more species intermingling more like world building plots more faded mates more faded mates more cooties (laughs) 
Um, More babies. If you've never heard of Ruby Dixon before, again, how dare you? But go back, listen to our Ruby Dixon episodes. I will link them in the show notes for you. We explain all about what the heck a cooey or a cootie is, um, faded mates, Masaka, the glory of Spurs, all that sort of fun stuff. If you know, you know. Um, <laughs> and you will find your new favorite author. I have no doubt. I and if you are a naysayer of Ruby Dixon, well. Well, I don't want to be your friend. N- no. Go. <laughs> Give the hands. Bye-bye. But I think we are ready. Yeah. I'm to ready to hear in. our answers. I have not read this yet. Oh, you have it. I was supposed to, but uh, yeah. I was. I took off most of December because I had That's all true. this vacation. And I just forgot because I was home for the first time in like over a year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I didn't care that much. But now I really, really care. And I'm super excited yes. to see all of the answers. I did sit down. I... Just started writing these questions. I was like, wait, I have more questions. Wait, I still have more questions. Mm -hmm. A couple of them are very specific Mm -hmm. um, because we've asked them before and we're like, I need an answer to that. So Mm -hmm. are we ready to do this? Yeah. Hey, final thank you, by the way, to Ruby Dixon. Yes. Thank you so much, Ruby. Like, we really appreciate it. We thought this was a super long shot when we emailed you to be like, could you answer some questions for our little insignificant (laughs) podcast? That's pretty much exactly how my email went. I was like, hi, I'm a super fan. I'm so sorry about that to fangirl all over the so, place. So thank you so much for taking all the time. Yes, I wasn't, thank you so much. I wasn't sure what kind of answers we'd get because they are very detailed and very specific. Yes. So I'm really honored and that you took the time back to respond to us out of your really crazy busy schedule. So thank you, Ruby Dixon. Yes, thank you so much. It was, I screamed a lot. Mm-hmm. So anyway. If you're ever in the area, I'll buy you dinner. <sighs> yes. It's about the best I can do for you. Coffee. <laughs> we can introduce you to horses, chickens, and dogs. I'll send you a gift card. I know you don't like going out too much. This is true. All right. Anyways, let's dive right in, dear listeners. So Jackie is playing herself. Yes. Asking the questions. And I am <gasps> in a performance of a lifetime. I will be reading Ruby Dixon's answers. Jen was meant for this. This is what I was born for. Ruby, let us know how Jen does with her acting. <laughs> no! Is it a good portrayal? <laughs> Is it Oscar worthy? Oh God! If she hates me, I'm gonna go th- like. No. I was gonna say something worse. I'll go like hide under a rock for the rest of eternity. No. Maybe she'll be inspired and write a heroine named Jen. Or Jen Jackie. Is, Jen is a very good heroine name. I'm it just is, saying. It is. You've got all of those name variations. You can do a Jennifer when I get in trouble, or a Jenny when it's like affectionate. Can you and imagine a Jen is like a normal saying? Jen. I mean, that'd be really easy to be Jen, but Jennifer would be Jennifer. Be like Jennifer from uh, oh, Witcher. God. Sounds like a guinea pig. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Here we go. <coughs> Hi, Ruby. First off, thank you so much for agreeing to do this interview. To start with, for all those crazy people who haven't yet heard of you or read one of your books, can you please introduce yourself? Hey there, I'm Ruby Dixon. I write mostly science fiction romance with devoted heroes and resilient heroines. All of my books are available in Kindle Unlimited, and I have a huge backlist because I tend to (laughs) obsessively write. Mm -hmm. Me personally... I'm pretty boring. I play video games and read in downtime, and I'm still trying to get my husband to watch Great British Bake Off. He doesn't see how a show about cake could be interesting, and I'm like, how dare you? Great British Bake Off is one of the best shows out there, so I'm just saying. I'm also terribly awkward and introverted and have a pretty rotten fear of public speaking, and that's why we're doing this via an interview. Please tell your fans I'm sorry. It's okay. We accept you. We accept you in any way we can talk to you. We love you so much. If you wanted to send carrier pigeons, I'd take that. Yes. Oh, let's do Pony Express. I've got the ponies. (laughs) All right, Ruby. Can you please tell us about your journey to being a romance author? What made you start writing? So when I was a teenager, before the internet, I know, the Stone Age, I would obsess over my favorite books. I didn't have an outlet for this obsession, so I bought journals and filled them with fanfiction before I even knew what fanfiction was. As for being a romance author, there was never a question in my mind as to why romance. I've always read romances, and it seemed a natural spot for me. Smiley face. Why science fiction romance? I wrote sci-fi romance because I'd read everything on Amazon that had even a smack of an alien to it, and it wasn't scratching the itch for me. As a writer, a lot of the time you read or watch something and think, yes, but not quite like that. That's where a lot of your ideas come from. The, I like this, but I would do it differently sort Mm -hmm. of scenario. I was burnt out on everything I was writing and had probably binge read everything SFR I could get my hands on and decided to pull out an old manuscript with symbiotic parasites and an alien planet and kind of went from there. Nice. 
So I should say that, um, brief note, SFR is short for sci-fi romance. Mm-hmm. So in case you were confused, like, what the heck is SFR? It's sci-fi romance. Okay. I'm just reading what she gave me. Yes, exactly. Thank you. It's a beautiful portrayal. Thank lovely, you. Lovely script reading. I'm just trying to do my best by Ruby. Where did the blue aliens come from? I originally started with the Kui. It was actually going to give them superpowers. Hokey, <laughs> I know. But a lot of the time, I will come up with an idea, and when I go to write it, it comes out completely different based on the context of the story. So the Saikai... Saikui. So the Saikui never got superpowers, though I do get a good giggle out of the thought of, like, Ryush flying through the mountains, but just got super <laughs> horny. Womp womp. <laughs> As for their appearance, I wanted to make them alien enough that they weren't just human guys with a tan that happened to live on an alien planet. Mm. So I made them blue, made their skin textured, gave them horns and different fingers, toes, a tail, etc. <laughs> I wanted Georgie and friends to be genuinely, terrifyingly stranded. And if the aliens had space travel technology, there'd always be the question of, well, why not go back to Earth? Mm-hmm. So I made them hunter-gatherers, which ended up being super fun. I love that so much. Speaking of so much, you write so much. <laughs> what is your writing process like? My husband and I don't have kids, and this is my full-time job. So I have a lot more time to write than the average person. I say that because I get accused a lot of having ghostwriters, but it really is all me. On an average day, I'll sit down at the computer at about 9 a.m. and start writing until about 2 p.m. and then hit it again after dinner for a few hours. I try to get around 4,000 words a day. Sometimes it doesn't happen, but that's always my goal. I also write seven days a week, weekends, holidays, you name it. I know some people feel bad when they hear of authors putting in this much time, but you can only do what you have the capability to do. If you have kids or a day job, my schedule doesn't apply, you know? It's very true. Mm Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Nora Roberts has a very similar yeah. work ethic. Um, do you have a master plan full of characters and pairings, or are you a pantser that just writes as they come to you? I am a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can call myself a planster or whatever, but it really does depend on the book and the couple I'm writing. Some have to be very rigidly outlined, so I know where things are going, and some books I basically open a document and words fly out. It really just depends. Most days, I bullet point out where I'm going with the scene that day, and I have bullet points of the big things that need to happen in a book, but getting from A to Z is sometimes Mm -hmm. a mystery. As for the master plan of characters, yes and no. Whenever I start a series, I make a big book full of characters and their inspirations and who they remind me of and their backgrounds, and then I promptly forget (laughs) that book exists. But at that point, I knew the characters well enough that I can say, oh, yeah, that's Veronica, and she's the klutz, and this is going to be her storyline. As for pairings, I have them all decided already. Hmm. Sometimes I want to change it up just to be an asshole, but no. <laughs> nice. Well, I want to say it doesn't count for my curse. It doesn't. It doesn't. Good. You're Came fine. from Ruby. You're fine. <laughs> <clears throat> Your world building, Ruby, is truly amazing. I feel that whenever we have a question about something, if it's not immediately answered, then it's answered in the next book and all answered believably. Have you had any issues with creating not Hoth and the galaxies beyond? Thank you. I sincerely appreciate that. (laughs) My world building process starts in my head several years before the book ever makes it to paper. As for what it's like, if you've ever played the game Katamari, there's a little space prince who pushes around a ball. And when the ball hits something, the object sticks to it. As he keeps rolling... More and more objects stick, and the ball grows bigger and bigger. That's kind of how the stories start in my head. I'll roll around ideas, and they keep combining with other tidbits, and when they're big enough, they eventually make it to paper. Hmm. I currently have about four balls I'm rolling around in my head at the moment for future books. Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) World building also has to make sense to me. I'm also a reader that can get easily lost when a book gets too into world building details, so I try to balance enough detail to make it feel authentic versus bogging down Mm -hmm. the reader. For example... If they're in space, I call the vehicle a spaceship, a destination, a space station, and units of time, days, weeks, etc. Mm. If I tell you that it takes a <laughs> 13 wobblies to travel to a necrodoopruder, <laughs> you'd have no fucking clue of what I'm talking about. So it's a dang spaceship. Yes. <laughs> that is excellent point, too, because in the last episode, we talked about how fantasy and sci-fi mm-hmm. kind of evolved hand in hand throughout the 80s and 90s and fantasy's one of the thing about fantasy is the world building yeah. and like it's so well known for mm-hmm. its world building sci-fi obviously has to have a lot of world building too because mm-hmm. a lot of this technology it's supposed to be stuff we've never seen before right. like futuristic things that readers have never experienced before and a lot of the times when you pick up a book it can be very intimidating because you're like it's a it's a nerp nerp what's a nerp nerp <laughs> i don't know what a woggly is and it's like a but Ruby does make it feel very approachable and yeah. very understandable. Absolutely. So, you know. That being said, periods. 
Can we please talk about those? There are some allusions in a few books, but can you clarify the situation? Jen and I have a lot of questions about this, and, <laughs> like diapers too. Do the Saqui females have periods? They did say, by the way, there are leather diapers in the book. Yes. Oh, okay, because you said diapers like. I know, but I reread that after like we asked that question originally. Oh, oh okay, okay. Like last year. Yes, they do. Though their cycle is probably not as frequent as a human woman's cycle. The women are producing eggs and cleaning out their lady business on the regular, just like normal. The men are all firing blanks. That's why in some of the books, when they're not resonating, the seed is mentioned as thin and runny. Sorry. <laughs> when residence hits, the woman immediately ov- ovulates in response, and the male's sperm gates are opened. His semen changes and becomes thick, and it's full of sperm in which to impregnate his lady. There's probably a biologist screeching in horror out there, but if I can have romantic parasites, I'm going to pretend all of this works well, too. Listen, it's sci-fi. Yeah, works okay. Right. And she does it in a way that is exceedingly believable. Yeah. So this is one of my questions, um, and I think it's something I'm deliberately misunderstanding. Earth exploding. Spoiler alert, listeners. That was a big one. In one of the Ice Home books, Daisy, who is one of the women um, who lands on the planet, insinuates that earth explodes can you tell us a little bit more about that that feels like a very big thing to have happen in a book so earth didn't really explode but it was told from daisy's point of view how it overheard oh yeah it's gone so she's passing on bad info like in the telephone game in reality the rift opened there aka my dragon series and everything got fucked since earth is mostly destroyed those that were monitoring it have kind of set it back to zero so to speak okay yeah that's once I read through the series again, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's that made sense to me. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> now I recently watched an interview with director James Cameron where he answered the question, why is sci-fi so pessimistic? And especially sci-fi romance can be super pessimistic with um, themes like kidnapping human women, slave trade, sex slaves, all that sort of stuff. Why do you think that sci-fi has a tradition of being so pessimistic? I do think SFR is a little dark and pessimistic, normally because a lot of the gist of it is the Mars needs woman trope. Mm. So how do you get those women into space? You kidnap them. So I think a kidnapping plot line lends itself towards a darker sort of story unless you turn it on its head. Yeah, fair enough. And we'll get into like her darker like writing style here in a minute but I do want to say that she does play around with that a lot in her books but she does it very well um, especially in Beck and Ellie's Mm. book I think is the one that that is most prevalent in but it's done so well that being said Ruby do you have a favorite setting couple character I have several favorites I really fall in love with certain dynamics like I love his son's himbo energy <laughs> and how Maddie is just all in on that but doesn't let him step on her. I love how thoughtful Roken is with Lila. I love how protective Beck is with Ellie. Mm-hmm. I love Liz and Ravosh and how they snarl at each other until they fall into bed together. I'm going to be a cop out and say that my favorite is always the current book's hero and heroine. Fair enough. I, I understand that. <laughs> What's been the hardest part of your writing journey so far? This year and missing Aww. all my deadlines. <laughs> okay actually no when i first started out writing getting an agent and selling my first book was an absolute nightmare Mm. but that's for another time it's a long story (laughs) so um brief sidebar i will say that ruby dixon is a pen name Mm -hmm. for miss ruby and we know that she writes romance books under another name Mm -hmm. but we don't know that name and we don't know those books which is totally fine. Yeah. That is her purview. And she has done it very well, unlike J.D. Robb, Nora Roberts. <laughs> her Jane Krentz, Jane Castle. Um, so that's when she's uh, referring to getting an agent and selling her first book. That's not referring to Ice Planet Barbarians, because she did release that on Kindle Unlimited to mm-hmm. begin with. Um, she only recently got an offer from Berkeley this past year, um, 2021, June 2021, to republish all of Ice Planet Barbarians. I Me think too. like at least the first 10 Ice yeah. Planet Barbarians. I thought it's the first three. Is it the first three? I don't remember. Oh, okay. But I did buy it, Ruby. I, said, I have it. I have the, I have your name in the sticker. Oh, yeah, she does. I don't. I got too impatient and just went to <laughs> yeah. Barnes & Noble. Look who's the real fan now. <laughs> um, but, yes, so that is in reference to her other series. So, <clears throat> you have said in the past that originally Ice Planet Barbarians was going to be a darker series, which we can definitely pick up in Georgie and Vectel's book, Hello, Dubcon, as well as in Beck and Ellie's book with mm-hmm. Slave Trade. Um, what made you change your mind? 
Remember I said I was reading all the SFR I could find in the store? Everything was so dark, and I was like, all right, grade your loins, girlfriend, we're going in. But once I got the feel of the characters, it wasn't quite so dark. Mm. I think my natural tendency is to be a positive person, and I'm not that deep and angsty. And that comes out in my writing. Even when things are rotten, I'm trying to look on the positive mm. side. That's not to say that the rest of your series are completely light and happy. You deal do deal with some pretty heavy issues like essay, mental health, trauma, and disability, and I feel you do that so well again. Do you have a sensitivity reader who helps you with these issues? Thank you. I'm just drawing on a lot of personal experience, not to get too deep there. <laughs> I try to see it from the character's perspective and how it might look to others. For example, Ariana. I set her up as extremely whiny, and everyone in the tribe got impatient with her in the early books. Mm. When it came time to write her book, I wanted a reason behind the tears. And so I kind of rooted around until I found the perfect answer. As an anxious person, yay drugs! <laughs> when I'm spinning into a panic attack, I cry at the drop of a hat. So it made perfect sense to me. That being said, I have made mistakes in the past and things I'd love to correct. It happens. I've worked with sensitivity readers in the past for cultural assistant, and I'm working with several for the current book I'm writing, Dark Fire. <sighs> As for the books dealing with darker issues, a lot of writers have a specific theme that they write towards. I guess my theme is that my female characters are survivors. They've had some terrible things happen in their pasts, and it doesn't define who they are. They're able to go on and have awesome lives and kids and loving husbands, even if they had some shit go down long ago. This is my way of saying that past trauma slash issues slash loss doesn't have to define you moving forward. You are awesome and worthy of love no matter who you are or where you came from heart eyes major heart eyes <laughs> i love you so much that was so well put so eloquent oh, okay moving on outside of not hoth you have other aliens too can you give the readers a quick rundown of those series and settings yes so one of the themes of ice planet barbarians is that the blue aliens are also descended from people who were stranded on the planet I thought it would be fun to poke a toe into those waters and see what current modern blue aliens and play with how they interact with our transplanted human women as well. So in the Corsairs series, it's space pirates who meet up with their lady loves and go uh, piring <laughs> around this galaxy. It's a little more action adventure a little more rom-com, and with a lot less wearing of leather than the Ice Planet Barbarians books. There we go. And we talked about the other series at the top of this episode, mm -hmm. so I will again also link them in the show notes for you. Um, in the Corsairs Brothers, um, I just read in Strakes that you're coming out with your first gay aliens, which is so exciting. After so many heterosexual couples, though, like I think we're talking about 80 almost at this point. Mm. Um, what was the impetus behind straying from the straight <laughs> and narrow? Yes. One of the things that people write to me about is that they want to see a character that looks like them or they want to see more diverse characters. Mm. I get these requests all the time. When I initially wrote IPB, I wrote it that the coup was basically breeding itself by bringing in two perfect hetero hosts to make a baby and didn't think beyond that. Mm. Hindsight. I wrote Bisexual Heroes in one of my motorcycle club books and it wasn't received very well, mm. i.e. lots of hate mail. So I steered away for a long time because I figured someone could tell those stories better than me. But as time goes on, I get more readers. And as I get more readers, I get more people asking where my bisexual and gay characters are. So I've been slowly peppering them into the existing series, and I plan on doing more in the future. I've already been getting some hate mail for the gay stuff, but it's going to keep coming, so too bad for them. Keep writing it. We will read it, and we will love it, and we will give it five stars. That's all I have to say mm -hmm. about that. Um, now, in preparation for our episodes both this year and last, Jen and I completely reread all of Ice Planet Barbarians, mm -hmm. and I reread all of Ice Home, and I personally picked up on some really fun Easter eggs that tied a lot of it together, such as the history of Not Hoth and the tribes prior to the Saqui Masaka landing there. Um, was this intentional from book one, or was it something a little more ad hoc? And Sidebar, I have degrees in anthropology and archaeology, and I focus on hominid evolution, so I got way too into the evolution of the Sakwi and the possible islander evolution. I'm sorry if our listeners aren't as invested in this as I am. Anthropology and archaeology and ancient cultures are kind of my jam. Yes! <laughs> I am absolutely an armchair anthropologist, so I pepper in the stuff that I love. It was intentional from day one that there would be traces of other cultures left behind. I think that one of the ongoing themes of the books, starting over but being mindful of the past... So, of course, there are relics of the long dead passed around because no one lives in a vacuum. Mm. I don't know if we'll ever see the ancestors to the ancestors, but it's, it's fun to think about. I love that. It's really so good. Yeah. All right. Shifting gears. The original covers. 
we all love and are simping over the gorgeous new designs and, of course, buying multiple mm-hmm. copies. But let's talk about the original covers for a moment. I've truly never seen anything like them. A lot of the covers, especially in Ice Home, kind of remind me of classic bodice ripper covers, but, you know, with furry pelts instead of kilts. <laughs> um, was this intentional? Do you Did you have a hand in anything's design? Do you have a favorite cover? Yes, I grew up reading bodice rippers with the gorgeous painted covers, and I was so sad when object covers, like Fifty Shades of Grey, became popular. I wanted those wild and crazy romantic covers because, to me, they hint on a big, sexy adventure about to happen. We started out fairly tame and kind of spiraled out into the bodice ripping territory, which makes me so happy. I absolutely wanted some Fabio-like hair blowing in the wind. Also, I say we, and I mean me and Katie Wilde, who does all of my covers for me. She is a freaking genius and so incredibly talented, and my bestie. As for how the covers get made, I either find a good stock photo, or I commission a shoot and kind of envision how I want it to look. I send it on to Katie, and she turns it into magic. I can send her the most janky stock photo, and she will make it a magnificent alien scene that manages to be sexy and playful at the same time. Cover favorites... Barbarian's Taming, and Debbie's Distraction. I think Debbie's Distraction is one of my favorite mm. books that Ruby Dixon's written. Mm. It's got um, uh, body visibility. It's got disability, um, amputation, and the cover is it's just beautiful. beautiful. It's like mm-hmm. these pastel blues and mm-hmm. pinks, and Debbie the heroine is just absolutely gorgeous on it, and mm-hmm. we love to see multiracial characters on covers. And <sighs> Okay. Anyways, <clears throat> since Georgie and Vectal's book came out, book number one, Ice Planet Barbarians, has anything truly surprised you? Oh, I actually didn't expect to make it past Kara's <laughs> book. I thought, oh, I'll write three books and call it a day. I've had my fun. Except, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I get people emailing me asking me to drop more people on the Ice Planet so I can keep making more books. I am so tempted. Please do it. We love it. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about the power of social media and its influence on indie books for a minute. When TikTok broke the news back in June of 2021 about your amazing books to the world, what was your reaction? How did you feel about all of these new readers journeying to Not Hoth and beyond with you? It is both exciting and utterly terrifying. Part of me was genuinely thrilled and surprised that the books, which had been well-known in smaller romance circles for a long time, were suddenly everywhere. I was getting TikTok sent to me constantly by everyone, and while most of them were awesome, some of them were um, not... Having that spotlight on my books and having a lot of people laugh at them and mock them was very anxiety-making. I know that they're not the most serious books. Come on, I Spy Rarians with Love Cooties. Of course it's not serious. But seeing bookstore employees making faces about your books or people talking about how terrible your writing is can really put a damper on your creativity. I don't want to be a downer, though. There has been more good than bad, though. 10 out of 10 would absolutely do it again. Okay, I'm glad that you would do it again. Mm -hmm. And to those people who are hating on Ruby's books... You probably like Patterson. (laughs) Just if you're boring, just say it. No. Um, That sounded mean. But listen, I've experienced this firsthand on TikTok where I was also posting about Ruby Dixon because when it blew up, I was like, oh, my God, everybody else is experiencing it. And then, you know, as all trends do, it kind of faded out. And in September, I put out a TikTok about like one of her newest books. And of course, a male reader put it on there he's like oh i thought we were over ruby dixon (laughs) my comment literally is like well considering she comes out with a new book pretty much every month no deal with it i want to be over him i unfollowed him (laughs) and like blocked him so (laughs) you know it's all good um but i think readers need to remember that i'm gonna say it and i didn't say it in the last episode how dare i (laughs) every reader their book every book it's reader and just because you don't like ruby dixon doesn't mean that somebody else doesn't as well Mm -hmm. for me I see myself in a lot of Ruby's characters and I can identify with a lot of I mean sure it's set on a space planet and I don't have an alien boyfriend unfortunately (laughs) um a faded mate unfortunately but I can see myself in the plot and I can see myself in the characters and it's always nice like Ruby said earlier to see yourself reflected in what you're reading Mm -hmm. And to have what you know is coming as a happily ever after. If you're going through something that day and you pick up a book and you see yourself in the character, but it's a happily ever after, everybody's good at the end, everything's solved, you're like, that feels good. Yeah. So. I actually really like her writing, so I don't know what they're talking about. Right? Like, come on, guys. Get over it. Okay. but I mean, she's not going to win the Bad Sex Award anytime soon. No. (laughs) Definitely (laughs) Some of those people. (laughs) Okay. 
Kindle Unlimited. Let's talk about that for a minute. Um, because you publish your books prior to Berkeley exclusively on Kindle Unlimited, at least for all of your aliens. What made you decide to publish there back in 2015 and pretty much ever since? And have you ever pursued traditional publishing prior to book Berkeley in 2021 for either Ice Planet or your other alien and dragon friends? And if so, what was your experience there like? When I made Ruby's pen name, it was specifically to do Kindle Unlimited. I loved KU as a reader, and I didn't want readers writing me saying, why is book X free to read but not book Y? So I thought making Ruby all in on KU would be easier to explain. I never had the intention of going to traditional publishers with Ruby stuff. I knew it was a lot more niche than what the market could support. And the few times I sent out feelers, no one was interested, which was fine. Yeah, understandable. Have you ever experienced any prejudice (laughs) as a female sci-fi writer writing romance, especially writing highly sexual romance? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I get told my stuff is not real sci-fi and that I'm just making spank fic. Because it's got romance as a main plot line, people tend to poo-poo it. Fuck them. Amen. Okay. Do you have plans for anything not involving our favorite blue fellas down the line? Yes. I have a fantasy series called Aspect and Anchor about misbehaving gods cast in the mortal realm and the women that have to be their chaperones. I also have a series called Fire Blood Dragons that is post-apocalyptic dragon romance set here on Earth. All right. So for the audiobook versions, um, which is available through the library, fun fact on Hoopla, everyone I know who listens to them loves them and all these listeners were curious. Do you select the narrators and do you provide them with any tips, tricks, or insights? I work with a publisher, Tanter, and they let me pick from a pool of narrators. I tell them the type of voice I'm looking for and they send me a list. Some narrators ask for pronunciations, some do not. I figure that audio is a slightly different medium than the written word, so if they tweak a few things and pronounce a name differently, I'm fine with it, as long as the reader isn't tossed out of the story. As an audio listener, that is very much so a thing of. I'll listen to a book and then I'll look at the like actual print. I'm like, that's how the name is spelled. <laughs> and I feel like you definitely mm-hmm. get that in Ruby's mm-hmm. books. But they're all really good narrators. And like the male narrator especially mm-hmm. is great. All right. For when the series inevitably gets picked up by Netflix or HBO, who is your dream cast for Georgie and Vectel's story? <laughs> that is an excellent question. Vectel would probably have to be someone that gave off some big himbo energy, like <laughs> Chris Hemsworth or yes. Tim Tatum. As for Georgie, that's harder. I don't know that I have anyone specific for her in mind. Maybe Emma Stone with different hair. I could see it. Yeah. If you could go back in time and change anything about your writing journey, would you? And what would it be? I'd shove more women onto the ice planet, <laughs> lol. <laughs> you know i mean more books anyways to new readers or readers who might be a little hesitant to start delving into the world of the quee what is your sales pitch it's a rom-com that just happens to have an alien no really stick with it the thing i'm told the most often is i didn't think this would be my sort of read and i loved it Mm. everyone thinks it's not their sort of read and do you have any advice for other writers of romantic sci-fi out there especially our women authors please keep writing more because i want to read all of it yes we want to read it Where do you see sci-fi romance going in the future? For example, is there anything exciting in the genre you might see emerging, you see emerging that might be big? Or are there issues you think the genre needs to address before it moves forward? As for where it's going in the future, I honestly don't know. I love that people are stretching the boundaries of what aliens are, and we're seeing spider aliens and snake aliens and all kinds of things that don't scream hero, and yet are so wonderfully written that you fall in love with anyway. I think that the most exciting thing about SFR is the sheer imagination, Mm. that anything is possible that really lets you take the wheels off the cart and just go wild. So to me, it's the best genre for that sort of thing. Yes, I completely agree. And we always love to recommend similar books to our dear listeners. Do you have any other sci-fi or alien romance books to recommend? Yes. So if you want your sci-fi romance clean but crunchy on the world building and with a super competent heroine, Vicki L. Holt's Predator Planet mm. series is a fantastic and very underrated. Mm-hmm. If you want more action adventure, Naomi Lucas has a cyborg shifter series that is excellent. Homebound by Lydia Hope has a hero that I was like, that's not the hero, is it? (laughs) And yet it is amazing and such a good story. Anything Lauren Doner writes is amazing. V.K. Ludwig's Sign Here for Horns (laughs) is light and funny. (laughs) Engineering Fate by Alexis Osborne has a great cat alien hero. Claire Kent's Hold is a little darker, but very erotic. And if you want a really dark, really absorbing read that will eat your brain and spit it out, R. Lee Smith's Last Hour of Gan. That book 
that book is huge. All right. And finally, Ruby, what book is coming out next that we all need to pre-order immediately? I'm working on Dark Fire. Ah! Okay. <laughs> I'm working on Dark Fire, which is the last book in the Fireblood Dragon series. But it's going to be so good because it's the villain to the hero. Okay. It's the series villain who's getting a book. Yes. Is this a bad idea? Probably. But I'm writing it anyhow. I will read it and I will buy it. I didn't know she was on the last book. That's so sad. Well, because you're like five books behind. I want to savor. Like, I love those books. You have no idea how much I love the dragon books. And I'm, yes. I just want to savor. I'm like. She has been setting this romance <sighs> up for like four books now. Oh my God. I got to read these. Oh my God. They're so, I'm so excited. Sometimes it, like you want the incipitation to build up, you know? So I'm like, I'm staring at them in my Kindle. And I'm like, is it the right moment? Because you can only read it once. I mean, okay, no. You can only read it once for the first time. This is, is true. what I mean. This is true. You want to experience those moments yeah. like all at the first time. So it. that, like, especially the Dragon series, that's when I, like, want to be really comfortable. That's when I want to set a scene. That's when I want to have my soft lighting and my candles and <laughs> have, like, a really comfortable just, like... And a big be, cookie. Yeah, just be super absorbed. Yes. I love the Dragon ones. Oh, yes. my God, the Dragons, the dragons are, so, are good. so good. They yeah. are so good. I mean, everything is good. I really like the Shifter stuff, too. I'm sad she's never gone back to that. And I don't think it's available on Kindle anymore. Oh, really? I have it on mine. Maybe because oh, well, I bought, bought it. it. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's See how much I, I buy all the books. I buy all the books. I, don't, <laughs> I have KU and I still buy the Ruby Dixon books. Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much to Ruby Dixon. It was yes. so much fun reading your answers. And I was so blown away at how the detail she gave us. I just wanted to thank her. <laughs> I do too. Because mm. seriously, whenever we get a chance to talk to an author, it's mm. always just so exciting. Especially when it's somebody that Jen and I idolize. Yeah. I mean, we idolize most romance. 99.999% like <laughs> of romance authors we're going to idolize. Mm -hmm. And for one of our favorites to get back to us and be like, yeah, here's my answers for you. Like, oh, my God. Thank yeah. you so much. Especially our little baby podcast. So yes. thank you. We appreciate yes. it. And I hope our rambling wasn't too bad. Mm -hmm. um, if you have, dear listener, any further questions, you can always reach out to Ruby via her website, which is rubydixon.com. Um, I will put it in the show notes, as always. You can also find her on social media, mm -hmm. TikTok. Actually, she doesn't have a TikTok, but no, Instagram and Facebook. Twitter. And Facebook. Yeah, yeah, she answers a lot on Facebook. She answers pretty much every single thing yeah. that's addressed to mm -hmm. her. Um, and on her Facebook, she is publishing an ongoing serial, mm -hmm. um, which is in the Corsairs Brothers, which is one of my personal favorites, mm -hmm. as I said. Um, and she publishes one chapter a week, right? Yeah. No, yeah. it's one chapter a day. One chapter a day. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. And then at the end, she publishes the entire book onto KU. Mm -hmm. So that's fun. I just am so flattered. This is so fun. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, Ruby Dixon. Love you. Yeah. Was that awkward? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I did. We do have some time if we want to kind of like chat about some of the stuff that she said. And I have to say, while I was reading it, I'm really sad. Maybe not really sad, but I was thinking again about the kind of hate comments she's gotten and some mm. of the people that are. I go back and forth on it because I think, you know, everybody has the right to say what they want to say and, you know, like within reason, don't say fire in a crowded building, that kind of a thing. <laughs> but I, it, it reminded me of one of the reasons why I really wanted to start this podcast because yeah. I feel like I see so much more anti-romance kind of sentiment out there. Yeah. I, I think it's, it is changing. I feel like there's a really supportive community on Twitter. In some cases, and but TikTok. yeah, but I'm still seeing on my YouTube feed all the time. There's oh, yeah. like this, I get like this one YouTuber that's always like, oh, let me read these books so you don't have to. And it's just very, it's all romance. anti. And especially yeah. when I did the scandals episode, I had a hard time finding things that were not through this lens of, well, romance is already really stupid. Yeah. So of course they're arguing about alphas and nodding and <laughs> look at the mess like you RWA pick one did. of the most niche yeah. things to talk about <laughs> instead of like, and you jump over all of the other stuff first. Yeah. I feel like there needs to be a primer course in mm. romance. Like, this is where you start. <laughs> mm -hmm. You're going to start with Lissa K. Adams. You're going to start with Helen Huang. Yeah. From there, you're going to move into all these other yeah. things. This is what about. it is. It's not Fabio anymore. Yeah. At least the good stuff. I mean, yeah. there's still the Fabio aspects out there. There is somebody I follow online who is rereading, like, 1980s published romance. And yeah. she's doing it to, like, have a discourse and to have mm -hmm. a conversation about the genre as a whole. Yeah. Um, and she's finding some really interesting things mm -hmm. but like i said in the last episode of this month so like the first episode where we talked about sci-fi was that if you combine sci-fi with smut mm -hmm. you are making the butt of every single literature joke out there yeah because sci-fi <sighs> sci-fi now for the most part does have a decent reputation mm -hmm. again for the most part 
But even then, it's going to be like the elevated literary sci-fi, like The Martian by Alex Weir. Or is that literary? Technically, really, they consider it literary wow. sci-fi. So I really don't know that much about sci-fi. Or like, I'm looking at my sci-fi shelf right now. Hang on. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, we have Long Way to a Small and Angry Planet, which is like one of my favorite mm-hmm. series, um, and it's very much so. Like, it's a discourse series, like I was saying in the first episode, where it looks at all these themes and how it can portray back with a metaphor. Ruby Dixon isn't writing to portray a metaphor for the most part. She's writing to have these outlandish relationships portrayed Mm -hmm. and to talk about sex in a fun, different way. I I really resonated. (laughs) (laughs) I really loved that one part where she talked about how the books are really about showing that you can keep going. Yeah. And, um, you know, like these survivors that survive what the stuff that happened in their past and they went through these terrible things and yet hey no here you are and you're still okay and things good things are still going to happen to you yeah i think that's more important to me than oh look this is the color of the curtains in your literary fiction sometimes the curtains are just blue (laughs) okay (laughs) they're not blue because i'm depressed Mm. although i am depressed but that's not why they're blue (laughs) um yeah i think that just i don't know hang on let me let me go back to that Mm -hmm. so sci-fi for the most part is more respected now but smut romance spicy romance is not it never will be it never say never i don't know i mean (sighs) i think that the popularity for it is continuing to grow and more and more readers are coming to it especially Mm -hmm. thanks to social media yeah um but i still think there's going to be those people that just feel morally superior by being like oh look at that stupid who are scandalized by it but like, to be fair, I think that's just a common thing because, I mean, I feel pretty morally superior when I'm like, well, Amish sucks. <laughs> yeah. You know, so maybe we, maybe I'm being too judgmental and Amish doesn't suck. It's just not for me. It's just, maybe it's just human nature. I don't know. We we pick our camps and we defend them pretty fiercely. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. And there are some people who, let's <laughs> hark on my best friend here for a minute. Um, She loves dragons. Yeah. Right? Like, Smaug is one of her favorite literary creatures ever. Mm-hmm. He's one of mine. Benedict Cumberbatch was the best smoke. Um, but the second I told her that Ruby Dixon wrote a romance featuring shape-shifting dragons, she went, oh, hell no. Really? And I owe you a quarter. But <laughs> <laughs> Also, I'm so happy I got to curse on here without <laughs> owing Jackie any money. So thank you, Ruby. <laughs> Because we're not allowed to. So now yes. I get 25 cents from yes. Jackie. Yes. We're trying to keep this as clean as possible. <laughs> A.K.A. I mean, my mouth needs a soap bath. But, um, yeah. And Anna was like, no, I am not reading that. I refuse to read that. And I was like, but it's really fun. And it's really done well. And they yeah. don't, like, have sex while he's a dragon. <laughs> was that her concern? I think it is. Okay. But she, like, refuses to read it flat out on the premise. Mm-hmm. So I think that. A lot of people have hard nose, and for some people that might be aliens. For some people, it might be dragons. We really need to do a red flag episode. I know it'd be fun. I don't know. I'm still trying to think of like how I would form it. Yeah. yeah. Um, let me get if that it. even counts as a red flag. So, I did want to talk really quickly, mm-hmm. and we can just like kind of hash this out because I don't have an answer as to why if people if we can kind of pinpoint the reason why people don't like some aspects of sci-fi romance like the aliens like the dragons Mm -hmm. like the space whatever you don't like the shiny buttons can we maybe narrow down some of the reasons (laughs) you just read (laughs) narrow down some of the reasons why people like sci-fi romance i think there's definitely that out of the world aspect yes i remember when we were talking i think when one of our first few episodes i was like i really see alien romance getting huge Yes, because of Ruby Dixon, but also because it just feels like the planet's on fire and a lot of people want to escape. Escapism. Because, you know, I think we've had that aspect forever. When I was thinking as you were talking, I was remembering, oh, you know, I did read a lot of sci-fi elements in some of these indie, like, Siren Publishings, Alora's Cave, where the aliens come down to Earth and they take the women away and they, like, stick them in their desert planet. And, you know, it's a whole it's a whole thing. I think a lot of that was this idea of wanting to get away from all the bad stuff here. Like, just physically start over in a new place? Yeah, I think that 
It's called exophilia, actually, oh. the sexual attraction to aliens. Okay. But and I think what you're talking about goes beyond the sexual yeah. attraction. And I feel like there's a difference, too, because as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, there's all this stuff that goes into, like, the alien boyfriend, alien lover, whatever. But now there's this new subgenre of paranormal or even sci-fi that is specifically monster Oh, my gosh. Related. Monster is huge. Yeah, there's a Mothman one. Like, I, like, Ruby said specifically, yeah, I tried to make this so this was human. It was just, like, different color skin, different, like, all these little aspects. But, yeah, no, now there's stuff of, like, Mothman. I've seen Bigfoot. I've seen a lot of Minotaurs. Minotaurs been really popular. I know which one you're thinking of, but I've seen Minotaurs I was before. Traumatized that. by that one. And you but know, yes. speaking of the dragon one, I actually have read Alora's Cave Dragon oh, yeah. Shifters, where like, no, they didn't. What was the, the dragons oh, with um, Tisdale um, St. Clair and G. A. Aiken? Sorry, I was just looking at my fantasy oh. shelf because that's where she lives. But G. A. Aiken <laughs> wrote um, Fantasy Shifter Dragons yeah. before she jumped into her Blacksmith Queen yep. series, and they they just appeared. Mm-hmm. And in G. A. Aiken, it's centaurs, yeah. which is exciting. So I think it's kind of interesting. What was my point? Sorry. It's okay. I got distracted by the centaur thing. <laughs> the others? Well, yeah. No, I was thinking about there is still a difference where people are kind of like, all right, this has got to be a little humanoid. It's got to take me out of my world mm. a little bit. And then people are like, nope, give me to the minotaur. Yeah. And I mean, even- Let me go hang out with the, the thing in the, the octopus- thing in the lake yeah uh, the nanny series yeah. the alien nanny yeah, they look series. like devils right they look like devils and then there's another alien nanny series where it's they're pretty much exactly human mm-hmm. except for they have red skin and they wear crop tops all orcs the time. i'm waiting orcs. for an or- I, orc is there is slowly an orc coming one. um katie roberts katie oh, roberts okay robert see i'm thinking of the finley ones with like oh. the orc and the librarian the orc and oh, the duchess oh yes no and katie I robert some- just had an orc one come out i read something too that was like stolen by the horde orc or something oh. i don't even know if i put it on oh. the because it was not good was that zoe draven, draven? Mm, i don't know i'd have to look okay i can see the cover mm-hmm. but but i think this has been something that's been going on for a very long time and i think it's specifically coming to like a tipping point right now because yeah. of the way the world is and like yeah some people are going full, okay, let me go back to the Amish, to the old days, to simple, and I can just hide in my community, and other people are like, nope, put me in that spaceship. But Give me the Mothman. Also, I mean, so Amish romances are about a specific setting, mm-hmm. a very, like, specific way of life, a very, like, specific type of relationship. So is Ice Planet Barbarians. Yeah. Like they're, I said, they're on opposite ends of the same spectrum. They're both rural communities. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One just has more spur than the other. Yeah. Or they use their spurs in different ways. I don't think the Amish wear spurs. Oh, really? No. Well, that's nice of them. Which is, I mean, they do a, a other stuffed animals, but at least they don't do that. I like, like the Amish puppy mills. Yeah, no, I was thinking about yeah. Amish and spurs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. No, I think it's just, you know, with all of our discussions about everything, we all kind of want the same things. We just want that delivered in a difficult, in a different way. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, too, has to do with, like, the beauty and beast aspect mm-hmm. of romance. Because, like... Beauty and the Beast, she's a human, he's a creature, he's the other. He would definitely be a monster boyfriend. How many romances these days are retellings of Beauty and the Beast or of Cinderella? Yeah, we're never going to get away from that. It's like, I mean, there's a version of Cinderella in every single culture, just about. Like, it's just one of those universal things that we all want. Maybe not want, something like that we hope would happen, that we believe in. I don't know. That's like a deeper question than I am not qualified for. <laughs> why it's so prevalent or why it's so prevalent. Why it's so prevalent. Yeah. That, you know, we always want to be rewarded for doing the right things. And I don't know. I think that's just human nature. Yeah. Good to society. Yeah. Back to the carrot stick option. Mm-hmm. All that sort of stuff. So, too, I mean, you can't discount the fun aspect of oh, these Oh, it's so much fun. Right? They're just so much fun. You wouldn't think so, considering they're stuck on an ice planet yeah. and they don't have Wi-Fi or toilets. But it's very fun. Hey, they made outhouses. I mean, they didn't really make them. They found them. No, they... And I, oh, you haven't read that part of I Ice know, Home yet. They make they make um out, out, out outhouses. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I forgot how to talk. <laughs> and I think there's no student loans there. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For the very least... And so before you be like, oh, but what about families? They're just like forgetting all the serious stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of the characters, especially in Ice Home, where Ruby starts delving, she like does a shift in how she does her character psychology between Ice Planet and Ice Home. Yeah. And in Ice Home, it delves a lot more deeply into like personal traumas. Mm. So there's one character who comes from a large Mexican family. And in Mexican culture, family is everything. Culture is all around heritage and all that sort of stuff. And... um 
this this heroine talks about how she misses her abuela, how she misses her family and, like, all this stuff, like, cooking that she would do and, like, Mm. her family's tailoring business and all that sort of stuff. And she goes through depression because she gets so extremely separated from that she doesn't know who she is. Mm. And so it, she starts discovering herself through the story with her ability to, like, she starts embroidering traditional Mexican patterns on alien clothing. Right? So it's, like, that blending of culture. It's it's familiar and yet alien at the same time. Mm. And it's comforting. It really is so comforting. <laughs> you know what I'm kind of thinking about? I don't know if I should say this or not, but I, one thing I've been wondering is if she does keep putting people on the ice planet, if we're getting like these bigger tribes, we're getting more people, are we going to start to see some of the kind of conflict that we see mm. like in our world today? Like, is this kind of like the little seed of where everything, because you know how people say like when people started farming, that was kind of like the end of yeah. the world as we knew it. So have you... And like they're moving towards farming and they're like very settled. And you not... read Debbie's Distraction, right? No. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I want to. I'm just, I'm too nervous to. I, I don't want it to be over. It's so good, Jen. I know. I actually I'm really own it. That's how good it is. Yeah, I bought it too. I just, I know. Maybe I'll do that this month. You That'll should. be like my treat for you getting should. through 2021. <laughs> and you're 31st. Shh. Sorry. Shh. Shh. I'm not remembering that. <laughs> From this day forward, but, I'm 30. Okay. So... Uh, here are some spoiler alerts for the next couple minutes for you, but it's minor. It's like related to the whole planet mm-hmm. as a whole. So in Ice Home, we get introduced to other tribes on the planet. Yeah. There's a whole like volcanic island. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and these three other tribes, mm-hmm. four other tribes, yeah. come over and they um integrate with um human women yeah. on the beach for Ice Planet Barbarians, as well as like some dropped off alien male species. Mm-hmm. There's no alien females. There's um some Masaka Sakui that are there. Some of the originals from the planet. But um, we also start learning about the planet as a whole because we have Debbie, who is a scientist, yeah. and she is an evolutionary biologist. Mm-hmm. So she is examining like all the creatures, and she's going through all the creatures, and she's like, I think this planet is coming out of an ice age. Yeah. And it's moving forward into it. So it's coming out of its Permian period, I think mm-hmm. is what she says. Um, and it's moving into like a warmer stage. You know, the volcanoes, volcanoes, wow, volcanoes are erupting. And mm-hmm. so we're going to start seeing like a shift there. Yeah. Obviously, evolution happens over hundreds of thousands of years, not over like mm-hmm. 10 years. Right. So I don't know how much we'll see in this series. But Ruby has also hinted that she's going to be writing about the children when they're it's grown true. which yeah. i'm so excited about because she's kind of started like setting up little relationships right no and there. i've seen that too on her facebook page yeah like she's mentioned like little tidbits yeah i don't know that's just where my mind went because i'm a very cynical person i'm like oh god what is, is this the start of capitalism with all these people here is this like well so like conflict because right now everybody's pretty good because there were so few of them i mean anthropologically speaking competition for mates is like one of the main drives for humans right um we and it's one of the anthropological theories of we do everything we do as competition for mates Mm -hmm. which i mean it's a bit because of course asexual and all that sort of demisexual but we do see that in ice home because of course you have these other tribes coming in and there's still fewer women than men right yes yeah yeah and so they do introduce the tension there's the competition for mates Mm -hmm. and all this sort of stuff and of course the men are starting to like compete amongst themselves and there's games like olympic games basically Mm -hmm. that they put together to like compete for the women but it's i don't know it is all happy-go-lucky okay for the most part everything it's a romance it's gonna end yeah i I, I know she's not gonna do that to me but i just my dark side i'm like we they're do gonna see get, a pterodactyl. They're going to get taxes soon. There's too many people. They're going <laughs> to- No just, taxes. And like a thousand years, this is going to be just like the earth all over again. I hope not. There's going to be student debt. I mean, I think if- <laughs> We can look to her other series too for some- I don't know if she ever writes that far. I don't think she will. I think- I know. I'm not like, Hoth is going to remain happy. I know. I'm thinking way too far out. I'm very sorry. That's why I wasn't sure if I'd say that. But that was something that popped into my head when she was like, oh, more people. I'm like, oh, more people. But you know, that's something too is each of her different series portrays a different um, society. Yeah. So we have hunter-gatherers on mm-hmm. Ice Planet and Ice Home. Yeah. In Diverse, we have a farming agrarian society with some technology built in. Mm-hmm. It's actually very Amish. We got pirates. Think about it. We have space pirates who are like super high technology, yeah. technological. They have blasters. Don't forget about her uh, her earlier series with the bikers. There's bikers, but I'm just thinking of our aliens yeah, at this point in time. Fair enough. Sci-fi. Um, and then her dragons are post-apocalyptic. Yeah. Which so she's she's portraying like a lot of different stuff there. That's interesting. I never picked mm-hmm. up on that before. But yeah. Cool. 
What's your favorite uh, Ruby Dixon book? Why do you want me to pick one? Okay, what are your like top favorites? So I love Beck and Ellie. Oh my gosh, yes. I love Georgian Vect- or Georgie and Vectal. I actually really like Josie and Hayden. I don't remember if you did or not. I did. You did like that. Yeah. yeah, some of the reviewers are always like, oh, I didn't like Josie. But I'm like, fair, whatever. She's allowed to be kind of mean. <laughs> <laughs> you like the dragons. I love the dragons, yeah. Which of the dragons have you read? I've read like up to the fourth, I think. Mm. Like I was just about to start the fifth and I was like, you know what? I need to like take a break and get ready for this. I didn't feel mentally prepared yet. Because I love them so much. Oh, you is this just a weird thing? Female dragon. Yeah, right. is this just like a weird thing? Does nobody else feel this way? That like sometimes you just have to wait to read the stuff you're most excited about because you like can't handle it. You have to like mentally prepare. This is like really am I weird, guys? I don't think please you're email weird. me. Please email me at raging romantics if any of this sounds familiar to you. If you've put off like your favorite author for like two years because you just need a, you need to mentally get ready for it. I mean. The only time I put off my favorite authors is because I just, my TBR gets out of control and then I just forget I have mm. them. Hello, ADD. Um, Sometimes I just gotta wait. Yeah. Sometimes I just gotta let it savor. Yeah. I gotta let it build. I gotta like be in the best place mentally to really just sink down and enjoy it. Okay. I don't know why this is weird. It's not. It's not weird. You guys better email me and tell me that I'm not <laughs> weird. Because <laughs> I didn't know this was weird. Well, some of my favorite books. Mm. I love Tiffany and Saluk's story. Oh, those are cute. Yeah. Um, and I split up Barbarians. I love all the times they cuddled. I know. Just the cuddling is yeah. mm, so good. Um, and then in Corsairs, Deceiving the Corsair, mm. because it's a catfish story. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, that was good. Yeah. That was such a good one. Um, Strake's story, which is the most recent from the Corsairs brothers, mm-hmm. was super good. And it was different because it was almost like a villain to a hero situation again and it was like a locked room mm. sort of romance which was super fun um in ice home debbie's distraction is probably one of my all-time favorite Ruby yeah. Dixon books like i said i own it i mm-hmm. can't you not have to love it mm. um but there's i mean i love all of ruby's books there's oh, a few veronica, that I'm like mm, veronica's like, dragon oh veronica's dragon love veronica's dragon That's i really read that one, one like i don't know i go through the the parts i've noted like five like at least once a month yeah i don't know why it's just, just so good through, looking through her other series mm-hmm. i haven't read much of aspect and anchor i'm excited to, that's another one i'm really excited to read it so i haven't read it yet. but i own them all yes. i've bought them all same, same. i don't know like clearly i'm funding her her authorship <laughs> i just all my rereads are all page turns yeah. so <laughs> you're getting paid for that oh that's not that's true i'm sorry <laughs> but um suffice to say obviously jen and i are fans yeah and as much as Jen dislikes sci-fi, she likes sci-fi romance. I do. I like this ex- aspect. And there's certain kind of aspects of sci-fi that I like. I just, I'm, I don't like the, sh- the shiny, shooty things. And I think sci-fi has evolved to the point where it can be more than just shiny, yeah. shooty things. I don't want to hear about the thrusters going to full speed ahead into the black hole nebula. That was beautiful. No, it wasn't. <laughs> See, I do. I love to hear all that sort of stuff. I'm just like, no. But I think Ruby makes it approachable in a way that was inventive for the genre and kind of really pioneered a lot of sci-fi romance. And I think it's too cold in sci-fi. Like, temperature-wise. I know. That's why it just makes me need a blanket. That's the point. That's why it's so romantic. Oh, God. But then you're going down those cold corners and it's just like... That's when you get the fuzzy boots. You're probably always chilly in space. Just think of the blanket nest you could make. Because they have those jumpsuits and like... The only thing that isn't good about space is the lack of books. Well, you have ebooks. That should be the easiest thing. I don't know how you get fuzzy things if you're in space and you can't plant things or buy things. There's planets that you get things from, but there are no English books. So you're going to land specifically on the planet just to, to harvest whatever you need for your fuzzy blanket? Rizdaverse. The planet Rizda is an agrarian society. Yeah, they're already on the planet. They don't have to like come down and figure out how to do it. They're trading. Oh, my God. It's space trade. <laughs> I'm just saying it's very cold and that's the other thing I don't like it like it just feels like they're chilly all the time see I hate summer so I love how cold it is no I mean I love cold it just seems too cold and it's like it's very there's all the do you know how much you have to clean the space (laughs) place too so it's shiny it just feels like a lot of work and you're cold and that's why you have robots and there's all the science I just no I don't want it I would read cowboy over sci-fi usually. Whoa. Not a cowboy. At least sci-fi, it's you can take a shower quicker. <laughs> I feel like in true. the space places, it's like they've got fake water. 
They do. Well, I guess I need to make Jen read more sci-fi now. Oh, God, please don't. You're welcome. I had other things I wanted to read. This was going to be my year I read, like, adult fiction. Oh. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Well, I was going to at least read more trade publishing. I found out I've read, like, 800 Amazon oh. ebooks <laughs> in two or th- two to four or five years, and I've only read, like, 600 traditionally published romance books in my entire life because I did my Goodreads. Yeah. It's very embarrassing. Yeah. Fun times. You did Storygraph, not Goodreads. No, That's I did both. What, oh, I thought you found... Okay, anyways. No, I sat there and I, I separated every single oh. of my 1,400 um, listed romance books into e tra- book or trade pub. Oh, that's so. fun. It was, because now I know to be embarrassed of myself. <laughs> don't be embarrassed. Always Ruby Dixon publishes on ebooks, so obviously we need yeah. to read more ebooks. Mm-hmm. But I think that is a good place to wrap this up. Read more ebooks, read more sci fi, read, read more, more Ruby, Ruby Dixon. Dixon. Forget us. Ruby, thank you again. Don't forget us. <laughs> tune back in the rest of the month for our mini-sodes and tune in next month. Jen, what are we talking about? Oh, we are going to be talking about something near and dear to my heart if we just had Jackie's little sci-fi <laughs> obsession. I want to have a whole month where we talk about fan fiction. Oh, yes. Yes. I've said it a lot in the last couple of years. I'm just not felt prepared. Like, it just feel, felt like something that kept coming up in a lot of our conversations. And then there was a major thing that happened with Wattpad mm. recently. So I'm like, I think it's time. I think we're going to sit down. We're going to talk about some fan fiction. I don't know what the episode's going to look like yet. There's got to be two of them, too. Yeah, I know. I don't know how I'm going to space it out. I don't know if I'm going to make her read fan fiction or not. Oh, we'll see. But we're going to have a conversation about romance and fan fiction. How it's okay. all wrapped up together and how it's changed. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. You better be. I'm not ready. <laughs> so one of us has to be. <laughs> Well, Jen, what do we always say? Rage on! Bye, guys.